0: Welcome to episode 55 of Startups and Aliens at, uh, I mean Texing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how you doing?
1: How's it going, Justin? Yeah, good. So where were you this morning?
0: Um, we were just out actually driving around uh, Rosmoin, um which is a, a, a nice little area that we're thinking of getting a house someday.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So, Have you seen that area? No, I've never
0: even heard of it. Where is it? It's, it's in Glendale. It's just a really, really beautiful place where there's very nice houses up there in the mountains.
1: Now, were you talking originally about, uh, or not that long ago, about moving to uh, New Hampshire? Yeah. Uh, because, well, you're, you're, because you're now working for a company that's in New Hampshire, and you had talked a little bit about doing something like that.
0: Well, we don't know one way or another. I mean, that's, that's a possibility. There's also another possibility of staying in Los Angeles. I mean, the, the virtual remote working for MyVebo is working pretty well right now.
1: Right. Okay. So
0: uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but we were just looking. Okay. You
1: know? I was surprised. You usually don't wake up that early. What <laughs> yeah no out and about
0: i've 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 just started doing it actually since um since I've been going to the gym, I've just kind of had more energy or something I don't know what it is
1: yeah, well that's kind of what happens <laughs> you, yeah you definitely get more energy when you start working out you get you know you definitely get energized and uh you need i think you need a little less sleep, you definitely feel better, so how's that working out for you now? you've been working out for what three three weeks now a
0: month a month and um i haven't lost any weight but i'm I'm getting fitter basically i'm get, i I can feel myself getting fitter and actually I'm getting happier. I think it's producing more serotonin, so I'm a little bit less depressed that's that's, <laughs> that's good. a good thing
1: that's good okay well so um so how are uh, Swarm and plugio uh, doing these days I'd like to get a little update on on those projects
0: okay um well, plugio's doing good um i've introduced the the concept of um if the, I'm trying to introduce a, a viral concept. So what I've done is if you've got a free account, you can basically upgrade to the first level account for free if you invite 10 people on, and they're basically 10 free people. Now, I was thinking of doing five people, but then I realised that might actually upset the people who, who paid the 60 buck. So I thought I should make it a little bit harder. Right, You know. right. Uh, would you think that's a good idea? I mean, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I, I think the... Um, okay, go over that one more time. What's the What are the numbers there? Okay, so basically you sign up for a free account and then instantly when you log into Plugio, there's a link that says upgrade for free. Okay. You click that link and then it's a page that explains if you invite 10 friends to, to sign up to Plugio for free, you can then get upgraded and you'll get a, an account worth 60 bucks.
1: Okay, so they invite 10 friends. And what constitutes inviting 10 friends just
0: that you just you just pass around your personalized link which is on that page okay and if they if they visit plugio and sign up then that's one
1: so if they sign up that's one so yeah 10 invites
0: okay so basically it's just for, it's 10 people signing up for the free they don't have to pay any money or anything
1: okay so okay so that's kind of interesting i mean there's two approaches well my first reaction was wow 10's a lot of people, you know, I mean, how many people do you know that are interested in a, in a similar subject? I mean, I don't have, I have such a diverse range of friends that I wouldn't have 10 people who are interested in any of the things that I'm interested in, (laughs)
0: you know? But what, what what I was thinking was, what about the people who've spent the 60 bucks to upgrade to that level? Okay. Like if it was just five people, wouldn't they feel, you know, like it was a bit of a piss take?
1: I don't know what that means.
0: Uh, okay, uh, it means wouldn't they feel it was uh, how could take? I, I don't know what else to say. That's the English way of saying it. Uh, how do you translate piss take into American? Um, taking liberty? Make, taking a liberty?
1: Okay, so unfair? It, it's unfair that people are only inviting five people and they get a free account for people who've already paid.
0: Yeah, look, I've, I've just paid 60 bucks, but now anyone who comes on the system, all they've got to do is invite five people and they get the same thing that I just paid 60 bucks Yeah, for. well, that,
1: that's what I'm saying. So that, that, that's sort of the thing I was uh, get, uh, getting at um, was that, okay, so it depends on what your goal is. I and mean, if your goal is to increase revenue, I don't think um, this is the best plan. I would think you'd want to make a lower a number, but you, you have to get people to sign up to a paid account, right? So if you get five people to get a paying account, or free people to get a paying account, then you get a free account. Maybe something like that. Like that would uh, increase your revenue. Now, if you're, say, okay, well, we we'll just go and get five random people to sign up or 10 random people to sign up, and then you get it for free, that may ultimately end up producing your revenue. I see. Right, right. So okay, because that, would th- that would be my concern. That would be my concern.
0: Because I guess what I was thinking was, maybe it would be good to try and grow the user base uh, with a view to making having some kind of exit because if, if there was like 100,000 people on there, an exit might be more possible.
1: Well, that's, yeah, I Selling guess that's it a, like 50, a, it's a riskier grand. bet, you know, I think. I mean, you're going after the whole eyeballs and exit versus, you know, building a business. So you're, you're getting away from building a business to just trying to create eyeballs. You know, so it's dangerous because you could end up just, um, you know, killing the business itself because it depends what people want to buy. Like if, if, if you're thinking about a company that wants to buy, um, would want to buy Plugio, one of these other, uh, say Twitter client companies, um, like right. TweetDeck or, um, or Hootsuite or whatever they're, whatever they're called, you know, th- they, those would be the companies that want to buy Plugio if Plugio had a hundred thousand users, who are unpaid. Okay. Now the thing is though, a hundred thousand users just may not mean anything to them. Yeah. They may be like, well, we got, you know, a million users or, you know, X millions, like we don't we don't need your hundred thousand. So that would be my question my, my concern is that can you get enough eyeballs at a company that is really trying to accumulate eyeballs or really even care? Does it come up on their radar? Well now, in that case it
0: should be like maybe just two two paid accounts and you get yours for free.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying is that if you're trying – you, I think you need to pick one or the other. I Either cannibalize and not try to make any money at all and just try and rapidly increase your, uh, your user base and then just try and sell it, in which case you're completely risking everything. You could really risk whatever revenue you're making and whatever revenue you're probably going to make over the next year or so. Or just build a business. Now, if you build a business that's making revenue, you can sell it to someone – who's interested in having a passive income or a business that requires um, not a ton of maintenance, but which, makes, which generates money. So you might have a broader range of potential acquirers if, there's, if, if you can um, offer, to, uh, offer them something that generates real money. I think that's good
0: advice. I think that I've been thinking about it slightly wrong because I've been thinking about them spreading it for free and then some of those free users signing up to paid accounts which is probably the wrong way to look at it. I mean, it would then just taking that a step further, then Blugio should essentially probably just be a 30 day free trial.
1: Um, oh, as opposed to, you're right. Is as having for the freemiums, the freemium yeah. stuff? Yeah. You know, I, I know that's, that's, a, that's a, I guess a whole nother discussion that's worth, worth having. Um, I know there's a lot of opinions on it. And I think it probably really depends on your, on your strategy and the type of product you have and the kind of scale you can manage, all that kind of stuff, right? Because if you only have a 30 day free trial, you really are just not going to worry about the, um, the word of mouth aspect of free users. You just, which, which a lot of people would say that's probably fine. Um, a lot of companies seem to have found plenty of success with that. They've just dismissed this whole freemium model as just being kind of, um, not very workable for them. But there are other companies that make it work. But I've noticed there have been, there've been some um, posts about this that I've seen where companies have um, really given their, a lot of their numbers out and gone into detail, like Evernote being one of them. Yeah. And it really becomes a numbers game for them because they have very tar- tight margins because they have huge um, bandwidth and server costs and customer support issues because they have so many free users. And it's a very small fraction of the users that are actually paying for everything. But one of the best arguments I've heard for the freemium
0: model is if you don't have a free, if you don't have a free account, then your competition essentially ends up with those users.
1: Well, it's fine. You're like, fine, take the free users and free weren't going to. I mean, one thing you might, one way you might look at it is that people who are really want to be free users were never going to pay anyway. Yeah. So, in which case, you know, uh, don't worry about them. They're not your market anyway. Um, I know that, I, I think we, we talked about this a while back where um, uh, Andrew Warner over Mixergy had interviewed um, this guy. He's um, Tim Berkman, I think it is, who runs, uh, he does a podcast called Trader Interviews. Right. And um, I'm, I'm sure people, might, uh, some of our listeners might remember this discussion, but I'll just cover it, uh, just a little bit um, just for its relevance here, is that he had a, you know, a, a large number of listeners, and he was making a pittance um, with uh, advertiser sponsorship uh, income. Yeah. And he was making like a couple thousand dollars a year, a few thousand dollars a year or something, just really nothing, or a few thousand dollars a quarter or something. And finally, he just said, all right, forget it. I'm going to I'm going to do a uh, paid only. And he lost probably like 80 or 90 percent of his listeners or something like that. I, I don't remember what the number was. It may be not quite that high, but he lost a, a substantial number. And a lot of people got mad and angry. Oh, this is not fair. And this is, you know, you know, you shouldn't charge and all these kinds of stuff. But all those people left. But the the percentage that stayed were were happy to pay and now and then he was making like $150,000 a year or something like that because mm-hmm. those people really found the content valuable and were willing to pay for it and it wasn't like it was that much but you have a lot of people who just want stuff for free but they're not willing to pay anything but all they're doing is essentially killing your your in his case was killing his business by making yeah. it free for everybody because you're, you're eliminating the income from the, the smaller percentage that would pay and would pay a reasonable amount, which would make a real business out of it. So I thought that was really interesting. And, and, and Andrew Warner, when he was entering, was you know, was very skeptical because that went contrary to a lot of what um, people have been talking about on the web for the last five or so years, five or eight years or whatever, since the whole freemium model really took off and became the sort of, uh, I guess, dominant uh, strategy Web 2.0 type of uh, companies, and he, you know, he, he said, "Well, what are you know? Isn't everyone going to get mad, or are these people going to leave?" And he's like, "Look, don't worry about it. Those people are not your market. It doesn't. It only matters to you. What should only matter to you is what your audience, what your clients, or what your audience really cares about. The people who aren't willing to pay for your product. Aren't isn't your target market? Forget about them. Don't worry about them." Done.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm gonna I, okay. So just to wrap this up, so we don't go on about it. Okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna seriously think about the 30 day free trial thing, uh, and move away from the concept. I'm, well, I'm not not saying I'm gonna move away from the concept of freemium. But I'm going to give it a lot of thought.
1: Yeah, I think, and, you, uh, I, think you probably, I think what you probably want to do is maybe pick one or the other. What do you want to do? I mean, are you going to go for broke and just cry and crease a lot of eyeballs and see if you can sell it to something? Or, you know, in which case, you end up ruining your business and having nothing in terms of revenue and then no buyers, in which case it's just a big uh, albatross around your neck because you have to support all these people and you have no income and all you have is cost or most yeah. cost. Or you go the other way and say, okay, fine. I'm just you know, I'm gonna cut my user base by two thirds, but the people are the only people on it are people who are paid and I'll build an incentive program to try and invite more paid users. I mean That's actually kind of better in a way because um,
0: it deals with a lot of the server and the scaling issues and it makes it much cheaper to to run, you know, to well, look after it.
1: Well especially if your freemium word of mouth thing isn't working. Right. I mean, if it's not really working, if it's not really bringing in any new users, then it doesn't matter. The only reason, the only thing that makes free users worth having around is is that they're actually working as a marketing device. If they're not working as a marketing device, then they're then they're providing no value to you, and all they're doing is, is 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 um, um, creating cost and overhead for you. And yeah. At the end of the day you a business, you're not a charity. You know? And all the people who are using Twitter Power Twitter clients are not um, you know, poor people on the street you know, looking for their next meal. <laughs> they get $5 yeah. a month if they think your service is valuable enough to them. You know, it's not like you have to give software for, for, for free. And they can sure enough go use a, another free software. But if people want a premium service, uh, and a premium service of the kind that you're providing, then um, you, know, you, you, earn, you have every right, and it's only reasonable to, for them to pay for it. Okay.
0: So, um <clears throat> thanks a lot for that. That's that is very good. Um
1: Sorry to go on so long about that.
0: No, no, no <laughs> fine. I'm go, I'm going to take that into consideration definitely. Okay. So, just to get back to Swarm. Yep. Um so it's made I don't know whether we've whether I've said this figure publicly, but it's around about 750 sales at this stage.
1: That's great. Now, how long has it been? Um it's been about uh I think it's like a month in the App Store. And you make about you sell for $5 a month and after the uh, Apple's Three fifty.
0: Make three fifty profit. Oh yeah, we no, we did say we did say it on a show before. So it's about two thousand seven hundred, right? I think we have said it on the show. Yeah. Um. But but the the, the sales have really really slowed down now. Okay. But anyway, that's not the main news about Swarm. The main news about Swarm is that Sebastian, um, who's building the AI for Swarm. And we just, we, had, we, we
1: we met him in episode was a fifty one. Uh, let me look. The show, the
0: episode was called. Um, yeah, fifty-one. Yeah, Se- Star- Sebastian Arno and the Swarm SGAI. So, if you haven't heard that, uh, go back and listen to that episode because Sebastian's a really, really interesting guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so basically, he has got that game to a point where he's got the AI to a point where you can actually play a game with it, and um, he's kind of sent sent the code over to me, and I've compiled it and tried it on the, on the um, iPad. Now, the thing about it is, is that he's just kind of really at the proving ground stage. So he's not kind of at the point where it's making great decisions. Sure. But so it it, it is kind of playing, making some silly moves. But the other thing is, is that um, because he's just early, like he hasn't kind of got to the optimization stage as well. Right. So when I, when I first tried it, um, I thought it wasn't working. I like put it on the iPad and thought it wasn't working. But then I realized was it was taking like two minutes for each move right right, because the because of the search tree and the settings, and it's not optimized, so then I brought the settings right down and and now so in other words, um, there's this little variable that you can tweak, which is essentially how deep into the search tree is it going to go, and how many permuta- permutations from each one of those is it going to try right, so I brought those down quite low, and then it was making each move in something like sixteen seconds, so um Interesting. And and obviously it's not, it's, it's not a stage where it can make that great moves, especially it makes much better moves when it has two minutes to think about it than, than when it doesn't.
1: So one of the, one of the big issues then, well, first thing I'd say this is that that's a huge milestone, just having something. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like the first draft of of, say, an essay or a novel. Right. Now you have something. Right. It needs a lot of editing, but you have something. It's just it's way easier to edit than it is to create something from scratch so you got over that hump you know Sebastian has got something that seems to work at you know to some degree and maybe it plays at a very uh, simplistic level but now it's just a matter of just incrementally improving it and learning from that so that's that's huge just that he, that you guys have gotten that far this quickly because it's only been a few weeks since yeah. you even started discussing this and ser- any seriousness of the idea of, of getting an AI on Swarm right?
0: Yeah he's been, he's been putting in some good time into it and he's, he's a Clearly, a very clever guy. I mean, there's there's literally no way that I could do this. I mean, I couldn't even begin to to, <laughs> to deal with the level of maths and stuff that's involved in this kind of thing. Well, that's so, that's
1: the, that's one of the keys for partnership is complementary skill sets. You have people right. who are either have skills that you don't have. Or don't want to spend the time acquiring, or don't have the time the time to spend acquiring. So designers and developers, technical people, and business and marketing people, those kinds of things. You know, that's why a lot of these successful startups and or successful endeavors have. You know, two or three people who have sort of, you know, they overlap to some degree um, so that they communicate and they can see the world in the same way, but they have these complementary skill sets that are required for the product. And for you, you know, I mean, obviously I've harped on this since the beginning and, and or at least emphasized this that you got to have an AI for this because I think there's a huge number of people who are not going to be interested in playing it unless they can play the computer and learn on the computer first. I so. wonder if the AI, okay,
0: I've got a couple of thoughts about the AI. Um, number one, Given the amount of processing power that this this approach of AI takes, mm-hmm. the one of ser- doing the search tree and the minimax and all those types of algorithms, I wonder if the AI should not be on the iPad, if it should be on a server, and Move should basically be pinged over the network to a much more powerful server to compute the the results and then ping back. Well, that, that's one thing.
1: That's yeah, that's yeah. a that's possible, but you know, really, I think the simplest thing to do is if you if you don't run the javascript engine as javascript in the ipad because you're running everything as part of webkit which i think is no fun. no
0: we're not we're not we we run with his his ai is compiled into into native c
1: oh it's running in compiled native c and it's still that slow yeah Wow. Okay, well, that would be my first step. So obviously you guys were taking that first step.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah, because we, were, we were already, I mean, I, I already knew how to fire events and pass stuff from JavaScript to the titanium um, outer shell, which is basically native C. So I, I, that was the first thing we or did, objective actually. Objective-C, if you want to be... Um, Objective-C, sorry, yeah. Specific about so it's, it's, it is running in compiled Objective-C, so, you know, that's, that's what I'm thinking. It's because the processor itself, for those types of um, calculations... Isn't particularly fast, so that's why I'm thinking one option would be to actually fire it to a cluster of servers. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is I'm thinking I, I can sort of see that the neural net approach and the, the trained approach would obviously be faster, wouldn't it? I mean, because then it just goes in and just instantly goes through the neural
1: net and finds a move. Because right, neural nets right. have been trained, so as opposed to doing a search. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, because all, all the time goes in the training where, uh, you know, I'm not exactly, I'm not an expert on the methods uh, that um, Sebastian is, uh, is utilizing now. He, he sent me an email. I had, I had emailed him a couple weeks ago, my uh, JavaScript neural net library. Um, yeah. Just uh, after our initial podcast and conversation about it, and he emailed me back. You know, after he'd gone back from this AI conference, and was like, "Oh, I came across this cool method it was called Monte Carlo Tree Search or MCTS." Uh, he yeah. just referred to it as an acronym. I'm like, "What the hell is MCTS?" <laughs> so I looked it up, and then I downloaded some uh, papers on it and read about it. And uh, you know, Ma- uh, so Monte Carlo is like you. W- you have a ser- set of parameters and you and you have like a probability distribution that you you keep selecting random trials that go through these this function and it creates sort of its own probability distribution right. and um, and again, I'm not an expert on Monte Carlo methods, um, but that's basically how how it works and so if you're doing a tree search or doing any kind of Monte Carlo simulations in real time, that's not going to be uh, super fast um, so you know, my guess is that Sebastian is thinking about this, and I'm sure he has ideas about how you might be able to create some hybrid where, you know, maybe you can do some training um, a priori using neural nets or some other type of statistical learning method that maybe is trained using some Monte Carlo tree search methods. Yeah, yeah. So basically, get
0: uh, AIs to play themselves uh, hundreds of thousands of games and uh, work out, and then build a neural net that way.
1: That's that might that's you know one approach. I mean. Um that's an approach I'm familiar with. I'm sure there are other approaches. I, I recently read I was reading some papers on evolving neural nets to play go and checkers and uh Texas Hold'em poker. Right, yeah. And uh they all worked for all those methods. Um and uh, I think for go it was they had to use, do something a little differently because it's like a the the space of possible moves is massive kind of like swarm. So they right. they created something um that was a, an interesting hybrid to make that work. And I, I think in the papers I wrote in the Monte Carlo Tree Search that that, that was able to, ev- to create the most successful Go AI, the most successful Go AI. So that was interesting. interesting. Um, so anyway, I'm most familiar with the evolving neural nets for this, but that's not to say that there aren't other approaches.
0: I mean, the one thing is, is playing, playing against this, even when it's at the 16-second the time, Frame. Mm-hmm. It's very unsatisfying to play the game and have to sit there and wait anything more than two seconds per turn that the computer makes. Yeah. So I, you know, I I think I could I could cope with maybe a one second lag or a two second lag for each move. But it's making it's making like it, it's making between six and twelve moves. So it's got my attention because it's um it's making the move and then there's two two second lag. Then it's making the move. That's fine. So the whole thing maybe takes. Twelve seconds, but actually waiting sixteen to twenty seconds for just one piece to move is yeah. an uns- unsatisfying experience. Yeah, and, so, and you figure
1: you're going to have a higher, uh, uh, you know, attention span for this than most people.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Being your exactly. game and
0: everything. So, so what I'm I'm thinking is, how is it even possible to do something like a tree search within one second?
1: Well, I guess it just depends on how big the tree is and how many permutations, all that kind of stuff. So, fifty um, million. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously. Obviously, compiled C is pretty fast, and, and and it can do some substantial stuff inside of two seconds. Um, but right. you know, you're just gonna have there's just gonna have to be a lot a lot of cleverness and some hard thinking about what you can prune and what you can do um, in the training phase offline before you do online. Uh, thinking. Yeah. So um, I guess what I need to do is bring uh, Sebastian on in an upcoming show and kind of he- hear what his um, experience has been, you know, because I'm sure he's tried some experiments and, and what he's thinking about. But that's yeah. cool that you at least have gotten that far Yeah. and that you've overcome, um, overcome some initial obstacles. Well, he says that he, he, said, he
0: just sent me an email today saying that he's already, uh, he's been profiling it and he's done some tweaks that have uh, upped the speed by four already four times so, faster. Okay. yeah four times faster so um i mean clearly he's thinking about it and he's gonna just keep on optimizing which so four is times
1: faster than the 16 seconds from so it's like four seconds yeah. from move. i think so yeah it, well it would be but but the thing is that's at
0: the very limited number of lookaheads
1: mm-hmm. right um yeah it, it might be it might be interesting to you know, a little bit to see uh, you know uh, it's a it's only so much uh, i can speculate now i don't have too much information on it so i guess we'll get sebastian on again and talk a little bit about it okay. um uh, speaking of performance, um, you know, in, a, in, a, in a, our last weekend show, I talked a little bit about using the set timeout JavaScript in JavaScript to um, pop the stack when you have, like, a long-running process. So yeah. you know, and to, to just to re- recap what that is, so let's say that you have some loop that wants to search through, you know, 100,000, you know, do something that takes, might take a minute or two minutes or, t- you know, 30 minutes, Right. Well, if anybody who's been on a browser, you know, if if there's some kind of JavaScript operation that lasts more than like you know 10 or 15 seconds or something, um, you'll see a, a alert window will pop up and say that you know this web page doesn't seem to be responding. There's a long running script error. Do you want us to stop it or debug or whatever? And you know so that that prevents some a, a, just sort of a straightforward long running process. So the way you get around it is you say okay, I'm going to have my inner loop. The operations that would have taken place in the inside of a loop um, in its own function, and I'm going to, and at the end, I'm just going to increment the, the counter that might have been like your loop counter. For instance. right, and then I'm going to set a timer to so it, and it's going to run through it and every single time it runs through it it's going to do those, do those operations, and then you might have like a callback function that that has an event that it checks and allows to you to say you know if you hit a pause button or stop button or something um, but it also it, since it only runs that one operation on a single update the uh, I guess the, the message loop that's in the browser allows the window to operate normally. So you can move stuff around and click buttons and scroll and it doesn't look like the page is locked up. Right. Right. So I said that's that was my solution. And one thing you mentioned was the idea of like maybe using set interval instead of set timeout. Because with set timeout in JavaScript, you have to say, you know, run this function in, you know, one millisecond from now or ten milliseconds or three minutes from now, right? And it's a one off operation. Whereas set interval, you could say run this every five milliseconds. Yeah, I was thinking set interval. So, is there a reason why you wouldn't use set interval? You, you know, I it was funny if you said that. I, I thought about it later on that day, and I was like, you know, I probably would have worked just as fine because, in effect, I just repeatedly call set interval after the callback function. So, if you do, if there's a callback function from an initial run from that from that function call. And 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 then as the callback function gives sort of the calling program the opportunity to cancel the operation, it has like a, a parameter object that's passed through. that You can say pause this, okay? Right. And if it if you don't set that to false, it'll call set timeout and run it again from a millisecond from there. Now, obviously, you could just say set interval, and so after the callback function, if you do um, say pause this, it will just you know kill the. It'll just delete the. Um, I think it's. I think it's. What is it? There's set. Or you could. Ju-
0: you could just think of it like a like a file lock, right? Mm-hmm. So you so you could just have a variable that was a lock to say, you know, run this function or or just. Wait for the next set, set interval, basically.
1: Right, and so you can. I, what's the thing? Is it clear interval? So you could just call clear interval on the yeah, interval, yeah. right after you get, I, I, after the function. So I was thinking about. So that would that actually would probably be a little simpler, and it might actually be um, slightly more efficient. I, I don't know. It might make it. It might not make any difference. But right. um, the uh, I, I guess one of our listeners. I think it was um, Alex. Uh, Gimmel? Alex Gemmel. Gemmel. yeah, And um, is it Gimmel or Gammel? Let me just... G- G- Alex Gemmel who
0: used to work with me in Woyano well, you know, in London Oh really? Yeah.
1: Huh, okay cool. He's a,
0: he's a, he's a guy who um, I've been hoping to get on at some stage for get to know a listener because he built the back end for, um, I think it's McLaren Formula One website where you can log onto the website and you can see in real time what's happening um, as the driver drives around the track, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's basically sending back all the telemetry right from the from the cockpit okay and uh, he built the back end for that so i thought it could be maybe a, a, a nice little segment get to know a listener maybe yeah no, that would be
1: cool. and so, you know Alex has been He's been an active listener in the sense that he's written a lot of comments, so it's nice. Right, to, right. It's nice to sometimes be able to talk to these guys in uh, person. Um, so, Alex, in one of his comments, he's like, when he was listening to our uh, last podcast, when we hear, uh, listening to me talk about the set timeout, he's like, "Use Web Workers, <laughs> <You> know, use <laughs> Web Workers." You know, and I was like, oh, you know, I hadn't even thought about that. You know, I mean, I knew Web Workers was a part of the HTML5 spec, but I just hadn't looked into it because it didn't seem it, it I, I felt that HTML5 was probably not widely available across browsers to work. What was it running. for? Well, in, instead of running set timeout, you'd run these operations. So evolving the reason. No, I mean, I
0: was, what's the what's the what's the product? I mean, is it is it something just you you're going to use? No, or is it he's saying you, that use he.
1: What he's suggesting is that I use Web Workers instead of the set interval.
0: But I, but I'm saying okay. But you just said I wouldn't use Web Workers because HTML5 not taken up too much. So what I'm saying to you is. Who's going to actually use this? Is it just you, I or is see. it for customers?
1: Well, no. Well, obviously, what I'm building this for is just for like the neural net, um, you know, library platform. So I'm building. I, I told you I was working on a on a simple site where you could go in and you could paste, you know, say 10,000 rows of uh, data, and have the um, and, and it would have Oh yeah yeah. That's to pr- as a pr- to predict your output. Or what, alternatively, what you could do is maybe you could paste in a, a function or something, or something, like, say, you were trying to use unsupervised learning, um, and you it's not, it's not predicting from a data set, but you're running a bunch of, um, uh, say, candidate strategies against one another, and, and you want to f- see which one's the fittest. And um, we could get right. at that later, but it'd be a whole other approach. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that, in order to do something like that, um, I would, you know, I had... That I mean, that's just something that I'm using for myself. That might be kind of fun for people to play with, and I could sort of use as sort of a sort of a, a, sort of a la- laboratory for building out and testing all of these new uh, machine learning algorithms that I want to create for this uh, JavaScript library. So I want to create sort of like not just a neural net JavaScript library, but just like a, a more complete machine learning JavaScript library. Yeah. So I, ha- I already have some stuff. I have a genetic programming jo- um, a library that I built in JavaScript. I have a genetic algorithm library. I have neural net. Both. Uh, and neuro evolu- uh, a, a neuro evolution a uh, neural net will evolve neural nets using genetic algorithms and I also have a back propagation library um, uh, for a learning algorithm for the neural nets so I'm starting to put all that stuff together and create one sort of library and then start adding in other things like. so you're going you're to create a website and, and are you doing this um, I don't think
0: we've said this on the show I think that was just a private conversation so are you doing this for, for profit or for fun?
1: Uh, I would say, you know, for fun initially, but who knows? Um, you know, because it was sort of funny, a friend of mine, um, who's, he's a, a mathematician, he's a PhD in math, and he, does, he has a master's in financial engineering, and he, he's been up in New York working in the financial industry, and um, he was laid off recently from where he was working previously, and he has a new baby, so he's kind of working out, watching his son and, and working at home a little bit. But he said, he called me up and said he had a couple ideas he wanted to run by me, and one was that he, I guess he had talked with a few startups up there in New York, and right. who had a lot of user data, but they didn't have any sophisticated way of analyzing or making use of the data they've collected, yeah. and they talked to him about maybe doing some, some deep Analysis of this stuff, and so he he wanted to talk to me a little bit about it, and I said that's really interesting that you talk. You mentioned that because I was just building sort of like a web-based platform t- for making that really fast, so that you don't have to use um, you know more sophisticated tools like MATLAB or R, and you have to get these plugins and you have to do a bunch of stuff. So like we're you know, you could do it in a web browser, so you could just cut and paste a bunch of of tabular data, whether it's comma or tab or separated in any format, and it automatically does all the pre-processing for you, so that you don't have to write a bunch of special routines for cleaning up and normalizing the data, and it does all that for you, and then you can sort of pick some of your learning algorithms and try and come up with some 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 interesting information. So
0: I think it's I think it's great that you, that you would do another product, especially a, uh, like a even if it's free or paid, I don't mind. But the very fact that you would get something out there soon, because App Ignite is such a long project, Mm -hmm. and um, sometimes it's kind of lonely uh, to be the only one to actually have these ones out in the public. So it'd be great if you've got another one out in the public.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. We can
0: then talk about it and talk about the marketing of it. And that whole, that whole side of things, that'd be very exciting.
1: Yeah, I I agree. You know, so, so this friend of mine, Schumann, he's another friend of mine who I played, he was on my soccer team at University of Chicago, (laughs) just like same with Peter Stone. If you recall, he was the, he's the, um, he's an associate professor of machine learning at, um, UT Austin, he does the one to, he's the one who does all the simulated robotic soccer stuff. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember him. yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, it would be cool to work with, with Schumann because he called me up and we hadn't talked much in the last six months or he's been busy. You know, they, they said they had a new baby and you know, working and everything. And uh, it was, it's one thing that would be great. It's just it's so fun to collaborate on projects with friends of yours. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun to just collaborate with anyone, assume you like them, but especially because once you, I've noticed that once you become adults and especially once you get married and have kids, you don't have a lot of time to just go and hang out. It's not like you're in college where you're just like, hey, let's just go and do nothing. You know, let's go and just, I don't know, you end up just hanging out for the day, um, just doing all kinds of random things. But you can't do that anymore. You don't have that kind of time. Right. Your time is spoken for You're, you know, you you need to spend time with the wife and kids and and are working or doing all this other stuff. So but if you have like a project, especially if it's if it's a financially beneficial project. So it's not like you have to make excuses for why you're spending time doing this. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you get to hang out with a friend of yours and you're working towards making money. It's like tilling two birds with one stone. Right, which was a benefit for working, um, of working with Mark on the iPhone project because, you know, and I was making income, but also was, a, you know, I was hanging out and spending a lot of time, you know, with Mark in which where I normally, at least for the last year or two, hadn't been able to hang out with him much because, you know, for the reasons I just. So
0: that sounds like the iPhone, the way you say was, sounds like the, uh, that contract's uh, finished. So he's kind of. On, on the verge of being ready to release their product.
1: Well, you know, it's um, it looks like it's a little bit in limbo right now because um, they're they're you know they're kind of at a finan- at a point where they need to raise uh, financing for it.
0: Okay, really, fine. I, so they're, they're just think, doing the right financing. Yeah, right.
1: so it's it's kind of in a limbo right there. But um, you know, regardless, so, been working with them a lot. But so
0: you say it's just to say like so it it is actually fully working and fully complete and it's finished and it's ready to go. It's just a question of cutting some business deals and um, getting the funds.
1: I think really. mostly, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, some, there's some cleanup stuff we could do, but I think it's, it's pretty much there. I mean, we're talking like 10, Ooh. 15 more hours of cleanup. We, we went through a list of like a to-do list and I think there were like 10 or 15 hours of, of, of and that was even being sort of liberal. You know, was, or I should say that would be conservative. I should say we were being conservative about the number of hours, so probably be less to get that stuff done and they could put it in the App Store.
0: I'd love if you could bring it to the next tech lunch that we have uh, so that I can have a quick look to see how it all hangs together. That'd be great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, so let me just finish up two things. I, I kind of started a couple of, of branches sure. to the conversation. I want to uh, just finish okay. this. Um, so one was the, uh, with uh, Schumann. So I guess we're going to talk next week and he's, he's, And I, I, one thing I mentioned to him, I said, if, if this would give me a reason to sort of clarify and really get some of this stuff working, because it's one thing to build it for my, for just my own entertainment and to also maybe help you in, um, and uh, Sebastian out so if, if if you guys are working playing on using some JavaScript uh, machine learning methods and and I actually have happened to build a library that does it, I mean that'll also help you guys out rather than Sebastian have to spend days coding it up himself from uh, either translating some C library or yeah right going from one of the uh, you know or look reading some paper and uh, trying to create a library now so the the, the so that's going to be really fun uh, to actually maybe potentially be, uh, have something a little more focused. But um, also, I guess one thing I mentioned to Schumann is that if he ends up doing some consulting contracts, I mean, that's the best way to get in front of customers and, 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 and determine whether sort of like a web-based business intelligence platform would be, would be useful. Because he'd get in there, and if he can start seeing patterns with working some of these clients and the kind of data they have and the kind of questions they're going to need answered, and the, you know, then um, that would sort of clarify the, the initial concept I had. For. Right. In which I initially was had termed quantifier. I had like a domain quantifier, and that was sort of the plan of what to build. So it's kind of neat to have that, just be able to play around with that. The other issue I wanted to bring up was the, you know, to finish up the, the, the the point that Alex made about using web workers. So last okay. night I said, well, I better look into this before the next show. <laughs> so I, uh, last night I was reading through this spec and, um, for web workers and it's pretty simple. I mean, it's, you know, 15 lines of code. You could, you can get it. Um, yeah. And it, essentially you just create a web worker object and, uh, you just pass it like the JavaScript file and that, that, that'll run the actual function or functions. And, uh, you just have like a callback message, like on message. And then from the, yeah, within the, the function that's being called or being run in that other thread, um, you, you, you call post message if you want to post a message to the main thread. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, the, what was interesting is I wrote it, I, I, when I ran it on Firefox, it just it hung Firefox example i mean this is the huh. tutorial, the tutorial example and i said oh maybe was that because i had something open else open in the browser maybe something was just weird with the browser state as it was and then i tried to get this morning and it just hung it and finally i'm like i forget it. it doesn't work firefox has got some problems i ran huh. a chrome fine but it, it, it would run but i just couldn't stop the process and the whole browser i couldn't switch tabs or anything that's interesting So, and I know that they said in the spec that the web worker um, implementation is a little different between um, Chrome or or Google has implemented, has a slightly different API for their web worker stuff. Okay, so do you, so you think you may have
0: plugged in the Google one into, into the Firefox?
1: No, no, I'm just saying that the, the two browsers implement the spec a little differently or, or have their own oh, okay. slightly their own ease. It's not standardized yet basically. I guess it's not standardized at least not between those two. There's not resolved between those two browsers and it and it didn't and it, and it was buggy or not working very well in Firefox for me. So that's another reason why well I think I'll just stick with my set timeout slash set okay. interval approach because that works it works perfectly and it works cross browser. Um, hey listen so uh, just just to change the subject.
0: How is App Ignite coming along?
1: It's coming along great. Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I mean, I almost probably spend more time on it than I should relative to my consulting, uh, <laughs> right? Which is, yeah, you know, it's just hard to it's hard to not work on it because I'm I. I I think it's really cool, and I just want to work on it all the time. So, you know, I, 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 the first four hours of the day are usually really good in terms of I just focus on consulting work. You know, first thing right. I do before lunch. And then I get a f- call from Guyon, and we usually hook up around between 1 and 1.30, my time, Pacific time. And he's in Norway, so whatever, that's like 10.30 his Guyon, time. Guyon,
0: who commented for the very first time on our, on our forum, on yeah. our
1: blog forum. He stepped up. <laughs> that's the the,
0: the, was it i, I can't remember what, it was on the alien show wasn't it yeah
1: well I, I i had mentioned how that that one part about the show how it'd be cool if that was the you know um a cool intro to a movie and he's like come on guys that was already a movie meaning that uh, yeah men in, in black. black um right so uh, i like the way he calls himself the guy the guy that's great well because he says you and i pronounce his name incorrectly oh what, what what is it supposed to be guy on i, get, I think he's what he said oh guy on but I, it's too guy, late for me to change it i can't say it that way guy one guy on and so you if, say it correctly because i i was the one who i'm sure from you you of, taught
0: me yeah well it's like it, it the spelling of it is guy one guy one yeah yeah anyway
1: so um <laughs> sorry i interrupted you anyway <laughs> um so I end up working with with him for like, you know, it's usually about three o'clock my time till midnight till he's about ready to collapse. Yeah. You know, server not responding. That's usually what happens. I'm like, Yeah. still there, man? <laughs> <And> <laughs> once that response gets to more than like two or three seconds, I'm like, all right, well, let's call it. <laughs> it How um,
0: do you find the Skype connection between? Where, is, he in, is he in Norway or Finland? Yes, yeah, fin- outside of Oslo.
1: Yeah. It uh, great. It's, it's yeah. Great. We actually we don't talk over Skype. We talk. We use Google Talk. That's been worked better for us for some reason. Huh. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I'll talk with Google Talk, and it works great between two people. And Skype uh, is terrible, and vice versa. I have a friend of mine. We've tried Google Talk, and it just never works. It's just a nightmare. And Google, Skype works fine. So I don't. I don't so what, what
0: are you spending your time on uh, developing on App Ignite right now?
1: Oh, we're all over the place. You know, <laughs> I, 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 we're kind of trying to do the breadth first. Uh, approach, which is just don't spend too much time on anything. Let's just get all the pieces together. So um, well, this past, you know, like yesterday, we worked a lot on, like, say, unique, like doing validation of fields. So is this an integer or a float or an email okay. or URL and actually validating that's what it is and, and sending messages, assuming that you're editing a, editing, um, a record in a form. That it, it, it will it, that will generate all the right validations uh, code and, and the right kind of messages. Um, so it's all the tech tech
0: development. Does, you're not you're not into journeys yet, then.
1: No, no. It, it's it's more core than that. I mean, it, there's a UI for it, but I ha- I haven't gone to that's going to be lo- uh, another another sort of stage where you're just like, okay, let's build some really slick wizards. I just want to get get it so that you can do all the stuff through a point and click. UI, and then we'll then we'll then we'll go through and create nice wizards and stuff. It's just a little premature because I want to get I want to get all the the core functionality in, in there first. So we we did a lot of that did a lot of validations and stuff like that yesterday. And I think one thing I need to do is next I really need to get a development um, site up as well as the production site. Yeah. eventually have a staging as well but i at least need to, to create two sites because um you know mark is has some stuff that he wants to play around with and you know you really nobody can really use it very uh, in any real way if i'm actually developing on it right
0: right yeah exactly
1: because you know all of a sudden i could break some stuff and they might happen to be using it or i might stay broken for a day or two before i fix the problem and be- now, do you do you develop on it
0: on the server or do you develop on it locally on a local machine? I develop machine? on the
1: server. I mean, Guyon is always pushing to install it, but I, I just like I don't. I, I have no problem with developing a server. I don't mind just editing it locally and then just you know pushing it up in FTP and then refreshing the browser. I, I, don't-
0: I just, I personally, I freaking hate that. Like, I, like I've just found that developing locally makes it so much faster. But uh, I mean, to each his own.
1: I guess it's the kind of, well, you, we've talked about this, you're, you're sort of, uh, you like code like, you know, one line, and then you, then you like update it, <laughs> where I yeah. like code, I'll code for like five or ten minutes before I'll test. So, for me, it's not a big deal, it's more inside your right. loop, if you're like, update, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> refresh, refresh, then. Yeah, yeah, I want to prove every line, yeah. Yeah, where I'm a little more like, I, I kind of like compose stuff, I think, in the editor. You know, I don't okay. stare at the ceiling and, and compose stuff and then kind of write a line. I kind of like I kind of throw stuff up on there and I'm kind of thinking as I'm writing uh, the writing the code. So, so are you
0: are you running the, the code through your compiler in your head and imagining the inputs and the outputs?
1: I, I guess I, I don't really know. I mean, it's kind of like I, it's kind of like if you were sitting on the piece of paper and a pen, and you're kind of sketching things out, except I just sketch it on. I, I sketch things in the editor for myself. You know, I kind of uh, of got a loop, we kind of, if there's a loop, ah, no, not, you know, some kind of coding like that. It's not like I think it all in my head and then I just code it. And so a lot of times when guy is coding with me or working with me, I'll just say, you know, he knows that I'm thinking. Right, he said, "I'm just kind of because i, I, I will kind of be babbling, kind of like I am now." <laughs> and like, oh, right. yeah, so I kind of got this idea, and you know, he knows that I'm just crossing. isn't, so he doesn't have to go. Oh, that Jason, that doesn't make sense, or what else? He knows I'm I'm mid thought. I said, "You're gonna get there." Just give me a sec. Let me. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of trying to see if this makes any sense. So right. with that, you know, with that approach, at, you know, pushing FTP it doesn't 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 bother me. Um, like I said, on is. Gaon is more, you know, like, why don't we do it on a server and stuff? And I, I tend to resist it more because I'm just like, if everything works, we're efficient. I'm not always interested in changing things because we have so little time. Like, we have an hour and a half a day. I really don't want to end up changing our development platform and it changes like three or four days for something that has like minor, you know, improvement. Like, we moved everything to subversion. As far as I'm concerned, it makes no difference. It has made no difference to us at all. Right. I mean, well it, it,
0: it doesn't make any difference necessarily straight away, but I'm there'll be a time before the year's out that it'll it will have made a difference to you.
1: I mean, you know, like I said, you know, everybody you know, if you're if you're working if, if you're working if there's more than one person working on a code base, then you need some kind of version control system, you know? But if you, if it's only one person um, and you have your own you know, method like creating a backup directory every day and copying all the code base. I mean that's effectively the same thing. It's a version control system It's more like a diff. You know, it takes it saves a diff that's a messages. So um, you know and if you're if you're creating it off site it creates a, a, a safety net in case your your hard drive crashes. Um, so it's effectively what we are. We're essentially because we never we don't really work separately. Right. So it has that hasn't been an issue. I've never lost any code, and I've never not been able to go back. You know, a few days or a week or a month, and go, oh, what was that code? Or I need we need to revert back to something. Um, it just hasn't been an issue. So I don't want to get into you know you know whether it's a good idea or that idea. I'm sure everybody. You know, I'm sure most people are like ah. Oh, you know, you got it. So do you
0: do you have any other topics like that we can go sideways with? Because I'm just I think we should go in a totally different direction. Yeah.
1: Well, one thing I want to one thing I want um, to mention though is talking about, um, you know, App Ignite and talking about doing this, like, this, like, you know, QuantFire project. Right. This, yeah. I'll just term it QuantFire. being the, the machine learning stuff. Okay. Um, is that there was a, a, a post that got huge points this last week called um, The Top Idea in Your Mind. By uh, yeah, Paul Graham, and he basically is saying that you know most hard problems require a lot of sort of offline thinking or what he calls ambient thinking, so that the kind of thinking you do in the shower in the morning yeah that 's just sort of these ideas there 's this hard problem you 're trying to solve, and you haven 't been able to solve it, but it 's rolling around in your brain it 's kind of in there when you're when you 're doing other stuff not related to coding and um, and that 's when a lot of the best ideas happen and that, that happens for me all the time. I do a lot of my coding when i 'm driving or when i 'm you know doing chores around the house or whatever you know and so I, I, t- I totally agree with that and it 's funny that that topic came up. Because two two things are interesting about it. One is, you know, when I spent last weekend working on the on the on the quantifier code, I didn't get any work done on Epic Night. I couldn't stop thinking about the quantifier code. So that's a problem.
0: So what what was the what was the article? Can you can you outline the yeah, article?
1: yeah? So he's basically saying that what you want to do is if you have an idea in your head that's hard to solve, you want to keep that, that's important, whatever your most important idea is, you don't want other ideas, you don't want to have any other ideas intruding on that, otherwise you're not going to make any progress, because those ideas are going to be rolling around in your head when when you really want your top idea, because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, offline server processing, (laughs) you know, you want those servers working on the hard problem. So, things like disputes, are terrible because they invade our 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 mind space. They 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 take up all of our time and, and psychological energy. We spend all our time, you know, arguing in our head with this person or people about this dispute, as opposed to spending that time kind of pontificating different ways to solve this problem. And so he just—it's a great—it's a great article. It's it's very succinct and it really just talks about this. It's
0: kind of like I mean I've I've said it a number of times on the show like. Uh, my belief is is that whatever you feel most passionate about is what you should be working on right now. So even if you have um, some, well, this is this is prior to me taking on the full-time role, but even if, even if I had co- uh, contract work, like your idea of getting the contract work out at the beginning of the day, the first four hours, I would say, well, if you wake up thinking about your own project and you're really passionate about it, you should actually do that first and do that in the first couple of hours and then switch on to the client project because you're going to, you're really passionate about it. You're thinking about it. You're just totally in the zone to be doing it. So if you were to do the client's first work, sorry, if you do the client's work first, then some of that, uh, you know, the way that all those pieces come together mightn't be as congruent.
1: No, that's it's a good point. The problem, the problem that I struggle with is that once I start working on something that I want to do, I have a really hard time stopping which I alluded to earlier about Epic Night. So in the afternoon, when you, once guy and I stop working on Epic Night, I have a hard time saying, all right, no more working on Epic Night. Time to work on client work again. A lot I of times see. I'll spend the remaining hour and a half or two hours before I take off to the gym uh, working on Epic Night. <laughs> when I should hop back on client work because I can't I stop see. myself. So it's more about just a, a willpower issue. It's like, how do you manage your own willpower? So that's just my own personal quirk. I, I have a hard time. I, I have a lot of inertia. So when I'm moving one direction, I have a hard time changing.
0: Moving well, you can grow your willpower, you know. Like in the same way as you can lose weight, you, it's, it's a very similar process. Basically, you track it every day and you track about what you know what you can do. so one of the well, for example, one of the techniques that you can use to grow your willpower is to just randomly stand up and just kind of force yourself to do it mm-hmm. a couple of times an hour mm-hmm. and just do a few different things that you don't want to do, but you force yourself to do so you can grow your willpower.
1: Yeah. I guess I just try and stack the deck knowing knowing who I am, knowing what my strengths and weaknesses are. I try and stack the deck. I try and create a context in which it's most optimal for me doing what I'm supposed to do <laughs> right. as opposed to what I want to do. And you know, those, some of those ideas might work. I just like, you know, at least if I get out the first four hours a day and I get the, some client work, I at least even if I'm a total screw-off and I spend the rest of the day working on my own projects and not on the client work, at least i got got half a day of work. At least i got two-thirds of my... I try and bill six to seven, so at least i got four of my six, let's say, hours done. So I don't okay. have to be completely depressed with myself if it's like three o'clock, and guess what? I haven't done any consulting work. And then then all of a sudden the guilt and the stress builds because there's guilt there obviously, but then there's also stress. builds. Like, Oh man, I got to make sure I bill enough. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to make enough money this month. So, um, but anyway, along those topics, which was kind of interesting. So last weekend, um, my buddy Mitchell and I, uh, Mitchell's a friend of mine who's, he's a screenwriter. I talked a little bit about, um, and he's also the guy who's a stunt man, um, martial artist. And he (laughs) the one who, who, so on Sundays now, um, Colby and I go with Mitchell to this uh, gym called the White Lotus Gym. It's way up in Northridge, but they do all this free running, parkour stuff, where they do all these flips and acrobatic stuff. And so we've been going on the weekends for two, or three hours. And um, you know, Colby's learning how to. Look, Colby can now do a backflip on a trampoline, which is really cool because he's only five. So that's really <laughs> cool. I finally got my backflip on the floor down. So um, we're gonna start working towards my. Uh, I'm gonna start working towards doing a backflip off a. Or doing a, yeah, a backflip off a wall. So you can do a backflip just like standing on the floor? Yeah, well, I, I still need a pad. I'm not the confident, that, you know, so I still have a crash pad that I land on. So I'm going to work towards a, a smaller pad the day. And, you know, once I get my confidence up, I mean, I, yeah, I get all the way around. But I, I, I'm not ready to say, all right, I'm just going to on, a, on a, just on a regular four do it floor. I can
0: imagine me doing a backflip. I think I'd get like 90 degrees and then I just fall flat on my back.
1: Yeah. Well, I've, you know, as I mentioned, obviously, I've always been athletic, and I was always good at that kind of stuff. Like growing up in high school and stuff, I could do all the kind of, you know, flips and gainers and stuff off of diving boards and stuff. So it's not like I've never done that kind of stuff. It's just been a, it's been a number of years before I did it. So I just had to get myself psychologically adjusted to doing it. Anyway, okay. so the point is, so we, were, we were driving back, and so M- Mitchell, who does, he writes all these screenplays and stuff, and we we often talk a lot about the similarities between the process of writing screenplays and the process of writing code and doing startups. You know, startups being very similar to, say, getting a, a movie project off the ground, like a lot yeah. of independent films, like having to raise money and come up with an idea and get people involved and do stuff. And you have to, the, the amount of energy and the amount of sort of um persuasiveness charisma you have to have to pull people into your orbit to make something to pull a project together yeah um which is very similar to you know doing a startup or maybe doing an open source project um and the idea of writing code is very code writing code is very similar to writing and uh, which is what something that we
0: so was that was that the realization of the discussion that, that, that starting the, a film was similar to st- no startups? the
1: realization What was interesting and because uh, we've had this conversation a number of times but what was interesting was I asked him when we were driving back. I said, well, so I said, what are you working on? You got any new projects? He's like, you know, he's like, I'm waiting. I'm going to get some notes back from my manager. Managers and for these writers and stuff are like kind of like agents. I think he has an agent and a manager. (laughs) I think his manager was going to give him some some notes back on a, a recent screenplay he had because he's going to have some meetings with some studios coming up. And and he said, well, I don't want to get started on another project because if I do, then then I'm just going to be thinking about that and I'm not going to make any progress on this other project. So I'm trying to not force myself not to start thinking about a new idea. Yeah. And I, and it was funny because I said, yeah, that's I said that's kind of happened to me this weekend working on this machine learning stuff. I'm not making any progress on App night because I'm thinking about it, this other thing, which is purely yeah. just kind of more for fun project, which is so that's not very good that I'm doing that. And then I then Paul Graham, you know, writes that article, I'm like, you know, coins a term ambient thinking I'm like that's exactly, right. You got to be really careful about that.
0: So he's so Paul Graham is saying pick your top idea rather than let it pick you.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you have a top idea, you know, whatever you want to work on, stick to it and don't let all these other ideas invade your mind space because, and and especially things like disputes and arguments are, are really bad. You'll kind of avoid those things or let them, let them go because that'll, that'll just continually keep you from being able to make progress on your primary.
0: So App Ignite should be your top idea, but this other neural net stuff. Is kind of bubbling up.
1: I got to be careful not to. I mean, I can, I can kind of, you know, because you, what can end up happening is I just don't make progress on App Ignite because I spend too much time thinking about. It. I'm being pulled in too many directions. I think this okay. happened with you and Pluggy on Swarm, right?
0: <laughs> I just just got an email from Sebastian, and he's he's saying um, he's he's not he hasn't even heard what we're saying, but. He's just kind of anticipating it, and he. And he I asked him, "Will we would be able to get the algorithm under a second? And he's like, "Yes, definitely. I've just, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there." <laughs> and then he says, "I'm so freaking excited."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We're gonna have to get him on next. Uh, I think we have to get him on next week and uh, get an update. Yeah. I because uh, I would like to hear about this stuff. Yeah. So, um,
0: have, have you got any any new topics like any anything else just that could take us in a different tangent?
1: I'm just kind of looking through my list. Oh, do you get something? No, I don't. That's the problem. Apologies. You got nothing? So let me tell I, you, you were late this morning with nothing. <laughs>
0: I, I really apologize to our listeners for being such a lame, Come lame on. co-host to this show. Great.
1: Okay, no, I have. Luckily for you, I actually did my homework. Okay. Okay. So here's a topic. It was it was an Ask Hacker News um, post. It came. Okay. Wait, yeah. Oh, I can't remember if it was this week or last week. It was called losing faith the, the startup killer and i think the the guy who posted it basically said something along the lines of you know i always quit my projects i get like 80 percent done and after a couple weeks i lose my enthusiasm you know that's me how that's, you, that's
0: what i was before plug yep, go yeah, on.
1: How, he's like and his question was how do you he's like you know he says you know i guess his hard drive is just a, a dustbin of like you know 30%, 80% complete projects. It's like, how do you stick to with a project more than two or three weeks? And um, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. There were some interesting answers. What, what um, I mean, what's your experience of that? What do you think about it?
0: Well, I think that, you know, we've discussed that before. I can't remember whether it was on a show or whether it was in person, but um, I think that it's through doing the podcast and it's through uh, basically being involved with you and being able to discuss the project with you that I've been able to stick at it, whereas I haven't been able to before because I haven't had any kind of partner. Mm-hmm. All I've had is, um, I guess, my wife. <laughs> she's a partner, but she's like, she's not, you know, not a tech partner, not a business partner. Not in well, that she doesn't of way.
1: really care if you do one project or another, right?
0: No, she no, exactly, it's she doesn't like, care. She's just
1: happy yeah. whatever you're working on, you know. Yeah, right. yeah.
0: So um, I think I think the the answer I would give is is find uh, find a brainstorm partner find find a mastermind group. Yeah, that, that would be my answer. What, what was the answers that they gave back on HN?
1: Oh, well, you know, it's, uh, it arranged all over the place. A lot of more, just like you need to release it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you need yeah, to get well, something course, out yeah. there. Because if you don't get something out there, then it's hard to sort of, um, I don't know, it's hard to maintain the momentum. I, I mean, for myself, you know, say for Epic Night, I mean, Epic Night, we've been working on it for the past year. I haven't lost momentum. You know, we work consistently. And part of it is that we work every day on it. Right. There's a ske- there's pretty much a schedule. The, I mean, it's like every day or every weekday, it's an hour and a half or more of work on it. And that creates momentum. And so th- but that is required that I have a second person pulling me in. So I would say if you have trouble doing that, I've, the best the best thing to do is to get a, get, a, get someone to collaborate with. And as we said earlier, hopefully someone with somewhat complementary skills.
0: I mean, I have found in the past releasing it to be the death of the project on a number of my projects because i'm not so much in the 80 percent and then not being able to complete it like i do usually complete it and then i do get it out there and then when it's not successful instantly it just annoys the hell out of me and the fact that i've then got to put in all this business development work and make it successful
1: yeah, you're, it's almost what, like you wish the world was a different than it is. <laughs> like <laughs> I wish that the world was such a taste that all i have to do is write, you know, beautiful, unbelievable code or come up with some cool concept. And then everyone will go, "Ah, oh, Justin, that was brilliant. You're I think so. Yeah.
0: Want. And, and, and that's been the difference with Plugio and the difference with Swarm is that I've kind of just not just released it, but I've been kind of continually working on it to to kind of try and grow it. Although some might argue that I haven't been doing that much on Plugio.
1: No, I don't. I think most people would argue that. Yeah, kind of just <laughs> left it into in, in cruise control and gone on to swarm, which, you know, is your prerogative. And, you know, at least you got it to that point. Um, and, you know, at least swarm is showing a lot of momentum. And uh, you're not giving up on that. And I think swarm will have more a chance because now you have Sebastian working with you. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think so too. And as you, as you can tell by that email, he doesn't need you pushing him. He's not like an employee or contractor where you have to kind of email him and say, "Hey, have you done this yet?" I mean, yeah. he has his own drive and enthusiasm, which Actually,
0: he's pushing me because he wants me to compile this new code to test out the time now on the iPad, so.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I think that's huge. It's and I and I think this podcast has worked for helping you because you know, while I haven't been directly involved in your projects, I at least sort of you know, try and, um, keep you, has it helped you with app ignite
0: or with anything you're working on?
1: I don't know if it's, I don't think it's affected it, but I don't have that problem. Be honest with you. It's not something I struggle with, you know, I have my own struggles, but that's not it. (laughs) Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's not losing enthusiasm for things. I can, I can dig into a problem and stick to it. Um, if it's something I think is cool. Plus, you know, for me, you know, doing this consulting thing, this is new. I've only been consulting for a little over a year now, year and a half. Right. And it's not something I wanna do long term. I don't want to work yeah. on other people's stuff. I find it painful. I mean, even though they're they're reasonably interesting projects and they're, I'm working with some really nice, smart people who are easy to work with, it's still I'm working on their stuff. Yeah, you know, it's not my idea. And it's not that it's their stuff is bad, it's just there's something else I want to work on. You know. I
0: wonder if it's an age thing because that that pull that you're describing there has got heavier and heavier with me the older i've got like to the point where i'm almost really angry with myself that i'm not just uh, doing my own thing
1: well i've been this i've been this way since i was a kid i've always been intrinsic motivated i never really cared about doing things for external reasons that because other people thought i should do them or thought they were interesting i don't really care I only work on what I thought was cool. And if I something was cool, I I had a ton of momentum. So, I've always been that way. And I really haven't had to do consulting or I've always had some one startup or another that I've been involved in. So, always moving under my own momentum. So, the fact that I have to do consulting now is a little bit frustrating um, to me because I feel like I'm kind of um, you know, it's like I'm selling out my my mind, you know, for the short term. I mean, I have to because I have to make income to support, you know, myself and my family. But, um, so in starting App Ignite, I'm like when you know when I initially talk with the guy I'm like, all right guy, we gotta come up with something that's gonna work, right? I mean, I, I you know, it doesn't have to work in two months or three months, but I want to create something that's gonna create real value so it has a real chance of making real income. So I don't have to consulting anymore, and so we can roll this into a real, a cool company. And I also want it to be something that's really cool so that three years into it, I'm like, Oh, why am I working on this stupid project that really is not that big of a deal. So you thinking at the end of October for rapid night, I'm thinking that I'm going to have, um, a, uh, a, a good solid private beta going by the end of summer. That's my plan. So okay. a little over whatever, five, six weeks. That's my plan. That's what I'm shooting mm-hmm. for. I'm not promising anything, Great. but it's, that's the plan. Um, and I think it should, I think, I think I should be able to make it, but we'll see. Um, you know, so that, so that's why there's a much, motiv- so when I say I have a different motivation and my motivation isn't just because I want to work on something cool. It's like, this is a prison break. Right. This has got to work. Otherwise, I'm going to be, sh- you know, strapped to doing consulting work for over how many years, and that's really going to piss me off because <laughs> this is not how I want to spend, you know, many years of my life. I mean, I'll do what I have to do, but that's not long term what I want to be doing. Did you see that
0: article? Um, They'll steal your, steal your idea, but they can't steal what really matters. hmm Yep. So I think I thought that was an interesting one. I know we've we've discussed it um, a few times, but we, the points that they've made in this were not necessarily the exact same points that we've discussed before. I'm just going to go over those points. So, they, yeah. you know, they can steal your idea, but they can't steal your long-term vision. Um, they can't steal your domain expertise. They can't steal uh, your your market failure-driven pivots, whatever the hell that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> they can't steal your market failure-driven pivots. Do you know what that means?
1: Well, they're not going to see... They may not be have a whole lot of... Um, they may, they have a good view into understanding what you tried that didn't work. Okay, right? so they're they're, gonna, saying, they're only going to see what worked, so they're not going to see all the things that you tried that didn't work, which gives you a lot of information.
0: Yeah. So basically, as as you go along and you do your A/B testing and you do all this different stuff, yeah. You, so they're, they're not going to steal the knowledge that you learn. Essentially,
1: they get, yeah. As you go they, along. Yeah. So you know, just because you you went from A to Z, right, and you ended up at Z, there, you went through all this other you know, m- m- miniature, uh, uh interim, interim steps to get there. Right. Right. And each of those steps required a lot of learning, a lot of, a lot of mistakes. And so, so when you get to your end point, it encompasses all of the things that you learned in that process, which means all the false um, paths that you went down. If someone just clone tries to clone you they're going to show up there but they don't have any of the background they don't really know all the things that didn't work so therefore they may not have their trajectory from that point may be sort of weak because they just don't know whereas like your trajectory gets solidified and clarified because of all the mistakes you made along a, a, a along the way before you got to that point
0: okay so to continue with the list they can't steal your talent as in your personal talent okay they can't steal your analytical insights which is basically what we just said um, they can't steal your plans for generating revenue. That's true because you don't, you know, that that's, that's kind of behind the scenes. You haven't necessarily said to the world, how you are going to generate the revenue? Okay. Um, they can't steal your passion for great service. So I guess that's all about how you, how you run the company and how you present yourself to the customers and the kind of image that you do, the company voice that you have, et cetera.
1: You can clone it though. I mean, you can copy, I mean, you can tell people you could, you could be a, fake customer for them and see what their customer service is like. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, some of it's like, okay, so you're talented. It's like, it's kind of it reminds me of the article that was written by, um, Uh, um, Jason Cohen I was called you know those aren't competitive advantages people say we're passionate or we're committed or we're this like well every you know everybody says everyone is yeah that's not a competitive advantage you know we're smart (laughs) you know okay
0: okay well the next the next point that they've got is they can't steal your passion to make this idea a reality
1: they can't steal it they may already have it so they might need to steal it right if they may already have a passion
0: for it they can't steal your luck which is a good point because but but then again that's just an even playing field because you don't know what luck they're going to have
1: yeah i don't i, I, yeah, I saw that so i, I, I remember yeah. reading through it and i did not think any other points were that strong yeah right and it's okay. like you know although clones rarely seem to work that well they really seem to they usually seem to fail you know and, but there's I, I mean i guess there are probably clones of services out there that they make money for the people you know, like there's like you know the service Groupon. I mean, there's all these copycats of Groupon. Well, but,
0: the th- but isn't Dig just a clone of Slashdot? No, I think I think it's different,
1: right? I mean, Dig was- Slashdot. I don't. I never used Slashdot, but Slashdot was not a group voting, right? It's like you just submit stories, and some of the you know. It was
0: basically one step away. I mean, the only difference was the was the the points for voting for an article. But apart from that, I don't see how different it
1: is. I don't know. Um, everything is like everything's an evolution, right? Everything's like, yeah. but it's not a clone. I mean, it doesn't look like it, doesn't behave like it. I mean, sometimes all you need to do is change a couple things, and and um, it, it it just effectively changes everything.
0: There was there was an iPad talking about um, evolution. There was an iPad app that came out called Flipbook, um, which is just going nuts right now um, in the in the tech world. People are really really loving this. And what it is, have you, have you, I'm guessing you haven't played with it or heard about it too much, right? No. Okay. So, so what Flipbook is is it's taking social media and turning turning the people that you follow, your social circle, into a magazine type experience. Okay. So what they'll do is they they'll you plug in your Twitter account, you plug in your Facebook account, and they'll scan your um scan your feeds. And they will take that content and any links that, that's in that content, they will go out and scrape those links, pull in the images, and by the way, doing, doing a pretty incredible job of parsing the data, and they must have some very clever artificial intelligences behind this, mm-hmm. and basically selecting good images from the pages, selecting good good components of text from the pages. And essentially, it's like, it's like your personalized magazine. <laughs> and right. it's laid out really well, like a really artistic kind of magazine, the mm-hmm. whole way that thing lays out. And it's kind of astonishing how it works. Um, and it's just like, it's a new, it's just a new spin on social media. Right. What do you think of that?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I the only thing I read about it, actually, there was, I haven't read an article about it last night where a guy was, uh, some journalist, I think it was ARS Technica or one of those sites. And he's, the guy was um, complaining that everybody's going, all the journalists are going gaga over it. But he's like, hardly anyone can get into the service because it's being crushed by, you know. Uh, oh yeah, users. yeah. And Definitely.
0: So, the, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. no, you go. Okay.
1: So I guess he was really complaining. It's like, well, you know, they, half of people can't even get into it because it's crashing. There's no scalability of the service yet. So how do you even know? Let's. Why don't we sit back and wait before we start scussing over it. But um, well, it's,
0: it's, isn't it interesting that, that they would launch the service and you know you think that I mean obviously they're doing all the best practices. I mean, I, well, I say obviously, but let's just say there's a ninety percent chance that they're on Amazon Cloud that they've got you know instant scaling, all that kind of stuff you one would have thought <laughs> given that they're so cutting edge right you know it's interesting that even that even though they've done all that their their system still doesn't scale and it's only an ipad based system right like you can't right. use it anywhere else
1: right uh, i guess i mean who knows maybe they're not using doing all so how this. many
0: how many users can you know can you even have from an entire market base of three million
1: is that what they have three million people already no, no.
0: The iPad has three million oh, users. Oh, right, 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 So, how many users can they have who've downloaded and installed their app out of those three million? I mean, right. It's only a percentage. So, yeah. So clearly, their their services is falling over. But um, anyway, from what I've seen of it, it's it's a it's a clever concept. You know, it's a clever idea. Um, it's it's going to be a company. I mean, they got they got ten million investment on the day they launched. Right. So I think that I think this is something you're going to hear about a lot. You know, It's going to be a new kind of concept. And of course, there's going to be a whole bunch of me-toos then who have the same idea, well, who basically try and create the same idea. Right. Um, interesting to see where it goes.
1: So I got another uh, real quick. I'm probably going to have to go in just a second. Um, sure. But one thing I'll just bring up, I was talking with uh, Mark about this yesterday. So the iPhone app is sort of in limbo right now, depending on whether they get funding. You know, yeah. Because in order to do this, they're going to, he's going to have to have enough funding that he's going to be able to work on this full time. Um, yeah. and he's gonna a point where he's going to need income one way or another, and he may have to do some consulting work or take a job. And so he was thinking like, gosh, you know, I guess he had to talk with, you know, his, with his wife, Kate, and they just, and she was saying to him, she's like, there's got to be a way to do a startup. And it's not like all in like either it's go broke or it works. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you and I have done, you know, work on our stuff while we're doing consulting work so you can scale into it which I yeah. think is fine, which is a whole other viable approach to doing it. And one thing I suggested to him, I said, well, Mark, one ace you get, one ace you got in the hole that other people don't have, who aren't, especially who aren't coders, is you can use App Ignite, right? So you can generate, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you ahead. can generate applications without having to write code. And if there are a few things that it doesn't do that you need to do, you know, I'll just put them at the front of the queue and knock them out for you. Yeah, And I was talking with, I've been sort of pinging back and forth with Taylor Norrish, who uh, if people know, remember, we had him on the show a, a while back. He did PrintFriendly.com. Yeah. who's in, uh, so Taylor is a designer entrepreneur. Mark is a, uh, you know, he's not, he's not a designer, but he's- he, He's a biz dev entrepreneur. He's more of a biz dev. I mean, he, he knows some tech stuff, but he's not a, a coder really. Um, although he does know some JavaScript pretty well now after we've done all this iPhone uh, app accelerator stuff. Um, and I said, you know, why don't you collaborate with um, Taylor? Because Taylor wants to do – Taylor wants to collaborate on some stuff. He, says he, he was mentioned that he's uh, sick of working on stuff alone. Yeah. Right. And, and he just would like and I said, yeah, I collaborate with people. It's more fun. You have the camaraderie, camaraderie plus you have complimentary skill sets going. And I'd mentioned to him. Why don't you use App Ignite, you know, generate some stuff and you, you be a designer. You can do a lot. And I said, if you need help, you need some custom algorithms here and there, some stuff I can do that for you. And so I mentioned to Mark last night we were talking. I said, get in touch with Taylor. Right. Because they've already worked together. He's uh, hired Taylor to do some design for the iPhone app. And I was like, you know, why don't we do something like launch an app a week? You know, and I said, I will be incentivized to help you guys and spend some time on it because it'll work as a marketing effort for Epic Night. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. Let's say we went to an effort and said, "All right, launch you know, and, and create a blog about how you and, and launch these pretty impressive apps every week. You know, that have cool designs, actually does something, have a decent idea. It's not just like another sort of geeky idea. I mean, you have like you know, go after real markets, but they actually look like real applications, not some joke app." Um, yeah. And if you, and if I, from, app, from the perspective of App Ignite, if people were like, oh, what's this app pop up? Well, that's another one, like, generated by App Ignite. And what'd they say? Oh, they did, they spent 20 hours into it, total with design and everything, or coding, minimal coding. I mean, that would that would demonstrate the power of App Ignite. That
0: would be interesting, yeah. So I thought did, that
1: may be a bad idea.
0: Did you see that Android uh, released a tool that lets anyone build an app Inventor, for Android? App Inventor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like a drag and drop kind of a visual basic stuff I, I think you have to I, I, you can't get any you have to get like it's invite only or you have to apply to be in a beta I think
0: that's either going to be great or awful <laughs> I think it's going to be like the first days of the web where web pages were just just looked awful and they're all incredibly amateurish
1: yeah I mean, so. it's like I mean I, I don't know yeah I mean because you know, Android is like Android is like uh, you know the web and that anybody can build anything and you know, it doesn't have to be approved by Apple that kind of stuff. And they have app inventor. Anybody creates like front page, you know, Anybody can design it. But I mean, I just, you know, let anybody build an app, you know, why? Doesn't
0: it kind of prove, uh, liber- libertarian versus, um, what was it? Well, so basically what are the two parties? I always forget you've got, uh, Democrats and Republicans, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't it, doesn't it kind of prove that Democrats are right? I, don't I mean, know basically Apple, Apple is like Democrats. And Android is like Republicans. In what way? Right. Well, in the way that there's no there's no governance of the Android, whereas Apple is very strict with its a uh, its lot of regulations.
1: Uh. Well. So, okay. Yeah. I mean. I so guess-
0: Apple is fully regulated. Android isn't regulated, and Android is full of rubbish apps. And Apple is full of fantastic Okay, apps. I
1: think you're making way, I think that analogy <laughs> is, there's way too many holes in that. I mean, I know what you're saying, that like when you talk about government, you know, de, uh, Democrats tend to want more regulation and yeah. Republicans tend to want less regulation because they think it kills businesses. You know, if you have all this onerous regulations, like in some countries, like it takes like a year to incorporate a company and that kind of stuff. Whereas in, um, you know, our country, obviously you can incorporate in a couple of weeks or whatever. Hey, excuse me one sec, I gotta, this. So I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. But on the flip side, you know, the the uh, you know, the Democrats would argue that, well, you know, without any uh, regulation, you have, you know, companies, you know, dumping on the environment or, you know, running roughshod over like uh, financial regulations. And you have like, you know, things that like happen with a regional financial crisis. Right. So you can't see that it's a fractal. No. That's so what I'm saying thing. is, what I'm saying is, yeah. So I understand what you're saying is that the Democrats and government want, want more regulation, and yeah. the, the Republicans tend to want less. And in that one perspective, on that one particular axis, is a whole other thing, a whole other area where Republicans want more uh, regulation, like in social issues, right? Who can get married? Who can have an abortion? Things like that, right? So oh, I see. It's Not along the same axis. You're just talking around the business axis. Right, but right. But stepping away from politics. Um, the, the thing with, uh, you know, with Apple, because Apple's done it right. I mean, it's not just a matter of an idea. It's a matter of how they execute. I mean, again, did you have that kind of, that's that cargo cult syndrome, where you're like, oh, they're succeeding because of X. Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it may or may not be succeeding, why Android may or may not succeed. Right. I think, I think trying to just trying to boil it down and say, oh, well, the reason succeeded, the reason Apple's succeeding is because they just have top down control.
0: Well, I mean, the truth is Android's doing pretty well. I mean, their market shares are, are certainly climbing, so yeah. they're not not—they're not exactly doing badly. I
1: mean, Mac, I mean, Apple had top-down control of their operating system, and then Windows ended up back in the 80s, and Windows ended up killing it, killing them, almost running them out of business, because yeah, anybody, anybody could build anything. So I think trying to boil it down to something like that is just is way oversimplifying and you end up just not being accurate. But, um you know yeah i mean and the you know apple has their approach and, 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 and it works it does makes certain things you know keep certain quality high but it probably limits certain types of innovation and you know i don't know it's all philosophy it's how they want to do it um, it'll be interesting to see i mean we'll, because this whole industry this whole this ad, you know smartphone sort of app app phone industry is so nascent i mean it'll be interesting to see how things will develop in the next 5 to 10 years
0: we've done we've done over an hour and 10 okay and yeah I know, I know that you're short of time today
1: yeah i need to uh, i need to get out of here so all right uh, i guess that's a wrap we're out